Welcome to Explain It for the seventh Sunday of Easter, and today's lessons talk about the ascension of Jesus, as well as the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Easter season is made up of uh, 50 days. 40 of those days, Jesus appears to his disciples after his resurrection, and he opens up the entire Old Testament for them and shows them how in the books of Moses, the prophets, and, and the Psalms, that all of them speak of his death and his resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. On the 40th day, he uh, ascends into heaven and he tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. So you could say those days are uh, waiting days. And so also uh, there's a sense that we also wait for the reappearance of Jesus. And during that time, he continues uh, to super abundantly give to us all of his gifts, uh, the forgiveness of sins, uh, the promise of his presence, the gift of uh, the Holy Spirit, the teacher, uh, and the comforter. Luke, in his uh, writing of the book of Acts, begins this way. He says, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And then Luke writes, he says, On one occasion, while he, while Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So uh, you can look at the church year really as being divided into to two separate parts uh, that speak again of the same message, uh, the person and work of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, the first part of the church year uh, you could say, uh, speaks of the person and the work of Jesus. And the second half then speaks of Jesus working in his church. Uh, another way you could look at it is uh, the first part speaks of his, uh, his state of humiliation among us. And the second part speaking of his state of exaltation. Now, um, Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Those verses speak of this humiliation of Jesus. And you could, you could describe that state as this, that during this time, Jesus does not always or fully use his divine attributes. So he takes the form of a servant. Servant. He humbles himself, even to the point of suffering and death. And those season, seasons in the church here that speak about that are Advent, uh, the Christmas season, Epiphany, and, and Lent. Uh, you could say that this Advent season is one of anticipation, O come, O come, Emmanuel. The incarnation uh, is in uh, at, during the Christmas season where the word became flesh and now dwells among us. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, Paul said, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Uh, 
Epiphany season is that season where uh, God in flesh is made manifest. There is this revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, and um, that divinity is being manifested, being shown or revealed. And then during the season of Lent, it is the, the time of our Lord's passion uh, leading to his crucifixion. So during that state of humiliation, it is the person and work of Jesus that he has taken the form of a servant, humbled himself. Though he could, he did not or always uh, use his divine attributes. The state of exaltation, uh, Paul continues to write in Philippians chapter 2, is described this way. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now in the state of exaltation, you could describe it this way, that Jesus now always and fully uses his divine attributes. So, during his state of humiliation, he humbled himself. He could have, but he didn't. He didn't use always his divine attributes. So, he was tired. He was hungry. uh, He was betrayed. um, He was uh, resting in the boat, sleeping. And uh, ultimately, during the Passion, he suffered, he bled, and he died. But now, in the state of exaltation, he rules and reigns. And this is the season of Easter and uh, the Ascension and Pentecost, where Jesus is uh, the resurrected Jesus. Uh, He is uh, crowned. You could say it's a coronation. He rules and reigns over all. And he works. uh, He works in his church, giving uh, to his church all the gifts needed for the proclamation of the gospel. Doing such works as recreating Uh, regenerating, that idea of being born again, redeeming, resurrecting, uh, sanctifying, making making us holy. So now, uh, where is Jesus? What What is he doing? What is his activity? Has he left his church? Is he seated far away on some physical throne at the right hand of the Father? Um, And one day, maybe he will uh, return? Uh, So, where is Jesus and what is he doing? Now, the the scriptures speak of this right hand of God. Now, the right hand of God simply means that Jesus rules and reigns over all. It doesn't mean a literal place like, uh, you know, uh, you go through the stars and then, uh, you know, you take a a turn at the second star and to the right um, and there uh, Jesus is uh, physically located. Um, you could say, um, locked up at that one specific place. No, the rule and reign of Jesus extends over all. And so the right hand of God simply means his power over all, the authority over all. Psalm 110 uh, speaks of this. The Lord says to my Lord, in other words, the Father said to his son, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And the Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies, and you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus uh, rules as a king. He reigns as a king. But he's also, during this time, our great high priest. 
The book of Hebrews really uh, speaks clearly about that, that Jesus is, is the prophet, the voice of God to us, that he is the great high priest, the one who intercedes for us, and that he is uh, the one who rules and reigns over all, that he is, he is the king. Now, Hebrews chapter 4 speaks of this uh, advocate of ours, this high priest, and how Jesus intercedes for us. The writer to the Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and following says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus has gone through the heavens. He now forever and always intercedes for us. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Clear reference, right? Isn't that to the Old Testament holy of holies where the priest could only go in one time each year on the Day of Atonement? But because Jesus is our great high priest, he goes into that holy of holies always. The curtain is torn from top to bottom, and he has entered there on our behalf and now always intercedes for us. Hebrews 7, verses 23 through 25. Now, the writer says, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. So what is Jesus doing? He is forever interceding for us, praying for us. Now, he's also working, working among us. You could say uh, he, this is a co-mission. Jesus is working among us in his church. Acts chapter 1, uh, again, Luke says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. There is a sense that Jesus doesn't stop this activity among us. He says, I will build the church when he speaks to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. I will build the church and the gates of hell and Hades will not prevail against it. You see it also in uh, the last chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 16, verses uh, 15 uh, through 20. Uh, Mark writes, he says, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Now, if it stopped there, you're thinking, well, Jesus is not among his people. He's not working with them. But the text continues. It says, um, right after that little uh, sentence, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. It says, then the, the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them. The Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So as his disciples went out, where two or three are gathered, Jesus promises to be with us. He does say in Matthew 28, go make disciples, baptize, teach, and I'll be with you always. The promise is, is that the Lord still works 
with us, still doing his work. Now, there's a third uh, promise, which is someday, uh, in the same way, Jesus will reappear and take us to himself. Now, again, I, I use the word reappear for the sense that Jesus is among us, but we just can't visibly see him as he was with his disciples. So maybe that's a better phrase than return. Return would suggest that he's gone and one day he will come back. Reappear uh, means we just don't see him. We don't see him as he was in uh, the ministry to his disciples, but he is among us working and one day he will reappear. Someday, same way. Acts chapter 1, verse 11 uh, men of Galilee, the angel uh, says to the disciples when Jesus uh, ascends. He says, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So again, that sense of someday the Lord Jesus will reappear. And just as they lost sight of him when he went in, into the clouds, so also we will see him reappear uh, in the clouds. And so we just keep our, you could say, keep our eyes, keep our eyes to the sky uh, with the promise that uh, the same way that he ascended is the same way that he will reappear. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 brings this great comfort. And if you've ever lost someone to, uh, to, to death and you have stood at the grave, here is, uh, here is the promise. Paul says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. He says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so there is this grieving, right? There is this separation that comes. That's what death does. It separates us from one another. It separates our body and our spirit, the spirit is with Christ. Those who have died are with Christ. Uh, our body goes into the grave, but one day God is going to bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so if your kids or, um, you know, are asking about where their grandma or, you know, grand, grandfather are who have died in Christ, you can say, here's what the Bible says. They are with Jesus and one day he will bring them and there will be this great promised act called the resurrection of the body. Paul continues 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. He says, According to the Lord's own word, not our opinion, but the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And so are these, there are these waiting days. We're not going to precede those who have fallen asleep where is Jesus? What is he doing? He is among us. And one day he will reappear and there will be this resurrection of the body. Jesus fully using his divine attributes, giving to his church all good gifts. The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. We will see it. Uh, there will be this gathering, this being brought together. And Jesus rules and reigns uh, over all now, but also rules and reigns over the new creation. And so, if he fully and always uses his divine attributes, um, he is present with us. He rules and reigns, has authority over all things. And he is working 
in his church. What is he doing? He's recreating, he's regenerating, bringing us into the family, we're born again. He's redeeming, buying us back from sin, death, and the devil. He's resurrecting us who are dead in our sins and transgressions. He's, he's sanctifying, he's making us holy through the forgiveness of sins. Again, someday, same way, Jesus will reappear and take us to himself. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, the angels said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And again, the promise, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age.